Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
Welcome back, everybody. It is the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show. We are back um, recapping week one um, and then previewing week two. I'm joined here by Justin Herrera, uh, Chris Dauhauer. How are we doing, gentlemen? How is your your watching of the first week of NFL football? We are back. Definitely an interesting week. I mean, you had some things you expected and some things you definitely didn't expect. <laughs> Absolutely. there were <laughs> Things were all over the place. Justin, how are you doing? Oh, I am doing a lot better than Aaron Rodgers is doing right now. That is very likely to be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will be we will be getting into that absolute mess of a game um, and many more. Um, but first, we need to get into our sponsor, which is Manscaped. Uh, they're a great sponsor. Let's let's see what they have to say. Your client's going away for ten years, unless unless. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com. For 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All right. Thank you, Manscaped, for that good stuff. Um, so like I mentioned, we're going to get right into some week one recaps. No time to waste there. Um, uh, so how we're going to do this is we're going to go through the games. Uh, they're, they're sorted by I have the early games. Um, then that second slate will be Justin, and then finishing it off will be Chris. Of course, we are covering um, our own favorite team's game, so of course I'll be covering the Colts game. Justin will be covering the Niners. Um, otherwise, uh, the boys, of course, will be free to interject, and uh, we can we can you know state our case whenever we see fit. So leading off, of course, is the Thursday night football game, Dallas versus Tampa Bay. Dak is back. Dak looked really good. He threw, what, over 50 times, uh, played really well. Um, there were some misses on the first couple drives, but uh, was not afraid to take shots. Um, and overall, played confident, played well. Uh, I, I'm not concerned at all about him moving forward. Um, uh, another guy who is on the opposite end of, of an injury, um, before he went down, Gallup, I thought, looked really good. <laughs> Uh, he was a, a good check down option for Dak. Um, and I, I wouldn't even say check down, just in the intermediate uh, to medium length, a good chain mover. Um, on the other side of the ball, um, something that I really keyed in on was Rob Gronkowski. He looked, I, I wouldn't say like Patriots Rob Gronkowski, uh, but he looked a lot closer to Patriots Rob Gronkowski than he did 
2020 is Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I, I pulled up, he had an 87.7 snap share as opposed to 27.7% for Brait and 9.2% for Howard. Uh, so he was clearly the tight end one. Um, that's a lot uh, less ambiguous than a lot of the other guys that we're going to be covering uh, later on. Um, the the other one that I I other key point that I keyed in on from this game. I don't know about you guys. I'm buying Ezekiel Elliott in leagues where he's available. Uh, I think people are going to look at this uh, a bad stat line against a very good rushing defense and. Uh, some managers might panic, especially in more casual leagues, but uh, all over. Uh, it, he was a pick that a lot of people, you know, he fell to them at the end of the round value-wise. You had to take him pretty much, um, but people didn't always love it. They weren't excited to be taking Elliott in a lot of cases. Um, I, I think we uh, kind of knew better. I think we figured that this was going to be a tough week one matchup with um, <laughs> Vita Vey and Nadamik and Sue on the same D-line. Um, but at the end of the day, I thought both Zeke, and this is, I guess, where I'd want your guys to take. I thought both Zeke and Pollard looked good. They both looked uh, fresh. They both looked athletic. Um, Zeke Elliott's had a 84.3% snap share to Pollard's 24.1, while the production was similar. Elliott was on the field more. Uh, I think he's the better pass blocker, and with that, he's going to stay on the field. Like I don't think that he will ever not be the RB1. Pollard might get more... Uh, a larger share, but I don't think he's ever taking over. Um, overall, I just don't think the run game and Ezekiel Elliott specifically fit that game. Um, and I, I think that he's going to bounce back. It may not be against the Chargers, but I think it'll happen pretty soon. Yeah, I definitely think you're running something, Adam. I think that we talked about it before. Do you want to overreact week one? Zeke's a big part of that. You know, they had a tough matchup. I don't think anybody expected that, you know, the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott basically missing most of all season is going to come out and throw the ball about 58 times. So I think that was definitely a surprise for everybody. We didn't think, you know, Zeke was definitely going to be have a great game, but I think we thought he was going to be only getting 11 carries. So I think mm-hmm. much more has come for this. I think I was just kind of the game plan and how the team kind of set up. And Tampa jumped up early in this game too, so it didn't set up well for the Dallas Cowboys without Zach Martin to really establish the run. Right, yeah, and that's another key point. Is that Zach Martin, of course, um, one of the best guards in the league, was not out there. Um, and yeah, uh, the game script just didn't account for the run really being that beneficial, to be honest. And that happened a lot of games this, this week, um, where, where some key name running backs, uh, uh kind of fell off, uh, usage wise. Uh, and I, I think s- some fantasy managers may definitely overreact to that. Um, yeah. So my only point to that, I think Chris summed it up perfectly. Um, I'm buying for Zeke, but one thing to watch out for is the Cowboys will not have their full line intact when Mac, uh, when Martin comes back because Collins just went on a suspension. Yes, yes correct. Yeah, so which is another blow, um, obviously, for them. I believe, to it was, I believe it was five games, too, so they'll mm-hmm. be out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's, that's another blow, absolutely. Um, moving on to the next game that I covered, which is at the opposite end of the spectrum, um, in terms of uh, the quality of the teams on the field, uh, Jacksonville versus Houston. Um, this is a game that I can see a lot of people falling for some players that I, I want you guys to avoid falling for. These are not, you know, maybe one of these guys should be rostered, and I'll, I'll get to that. But don't put him in as your flex, and 
just don't go after him over higher priority waiver wire targets. First and foremost, don't fall for Mark Ingram. Just don't do it. Um, he was not that efficient of a runner. He was great on the goal line. That's something he's always been good at. Um, I'm not going to push back on you getting him there, but how often are the Texans going to be in a position where they're up like they were against Jacksonville? I'm not seeing it. Uh, this is still very much so a timeshare. He was only on the field for 46% of the snaps. This is not, he's this far and away lead back. He really only had uh, a handful of carries in the first half. A lot of them, the majority of his carries came in the second half when they're trying to put Jacksonville away. Uh, just overall, uh, the only upside here is him on the in the red zone on the goal line to me. Honestly, if anything, if I'm getting a Houston back, I almost want David Johnson, especially in PPR leagues. He's going to be the one that's going to get usage when they're when they're playing from behind, when they're trying to catch up, when they're uh, when backs are going to be on the receiving end of of passes. That David Johnson is going to be the back in there. Um, so, yeah, I'm out on Mark Ingram. Uh, I know because of pure volume, I think he's going to be on some people's uh, waiver wire watch list, but uh, not mine. Um, the next player that I want people to <laughs> not fall for, Danny Amendola. Uh, that one, we're just, we just need to nip this in the bud right now. Uh, he was on the field for 21.8% of the snaps. It feels like it was a lot more, but he was really not on the field that much. And Anthony Miller is expected to return next week. He's going to take the slot right back and the 35 year old receiver will be no more. I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Don't fall into that trap. And finest, finally, excuse me, don't fall for James O'Shaughnessy. He's not a good receiving tight end. The targets will trick people into getting him. He just did not look great, and it's not something I see continuing. Um, outside of the people that I want you guys to avoid, uh, the Jaguars running back situation, they're similar in touches, which I think is scaring a lot of people off. James Robinson had 63.5% of the snaps compared to highs, 33.8%. Expect James Robinson to bounce back. But, I, I mean, I think it's a given. Uh, if you watch that game, it's not going to be 2020. Carlos Hyde actually looked good. Uh, I don't want to discount that. Carlos Hyde did not look like uh, running back on the wrong side of 30. Um, I don't know if he's just excited to be with his old Ohio State guys and feels young again or what. But, um, you know, he was he was making some moves and looking quick. So I wouldn't discount Carlos Hyde completely. Uh, but, you know, they looked a little bit more willing to pass the ball to James Robinson anyways. And if, if you're going to fall behind like that to the Houston Texans, then I think that could be a recurring theme here. Um, finally, uh, I'm concerned about LaVisca Chenault outside of PPR. Uh, to me, it looked like he was in that uh, – in that – Gadgety role, to be honest with you. He was used on a ton, and I mean a ton, of screens at or near the line of scrimmage, a lot of short routes. Uh, I don't see him as someone that's going to get a lot of touchdowns. And so in PPR, I I think he's fine. I think you'll manage. In standard, I have real, real concerns about LaVisca Chenault because I I don't see him as the one that's getting those meaningful, those meaning like valuable uh, receptions and targets down the field like a Marvin Jones or DJ Chark would. Moving on to the Chargers-Washington game. 
Um, Eckler had no targets, which was a surprise. I would not have expected that. Um, uh, not going to overreact. He had the hamstring issue and looked good with the ball overall. Um, only one running back target, though, in the entire game, um, which was to Justin Jackson. Um, and Cook and um, Jared Cook and Keenan Allen both operate on the, the short side of the field to some extent. So I, I think there could be some concerns to the availability of targets, uh, you know, as a safety blanket type of role. Um, Mike Williams was used a ton. Uh, we'll need to see how he gets used there. Can't blame fantasy managers for selling high, but I'd honestly hold. I want to see if that continues. Um, I, the value isn't crazy anyways, but he, uh, with the target share that he got, could very well be a, a fantastic value for you if, if that holds up. Uh, obviously, no more Fitz magic, but honestly, I didn't see any major shifts or changes, um, but there was a small sample size of Fitz magic anyways. He only had, I think it was three of six for like 15 yards. Um, so we didn't really get to see what he would have looked like really anyways. Uh, Roundtree was the RB2. Um, he'll provide some value as a p- potential flex option against bad teams, but otherwise it's just a high-end handcuff. Um, but it, it does kind of, we now know what the answer to that whole running back battle is for now at least. And Gibson got the targets. McKissick only had one target to Gibson's five. Um, the majority of Gibson's five targets came uh, obviously from uh, Heineke. Um, if he truly has a receiving game on lock, like it looked like he did over the weekend, um, it looks like he has a good chance to finish in RB1, to be honest. Uh, that was kind of the, the big question, whether or not he had that on lock. And I, all the evidence so far points to that being the case. Uh, any yes. thoughts? I just think, I think it was really interesting how conservative Washington seemed to approach this game. They really tried to establish the run. And it was nice yeah. to see Gibson kind of play that balco role and get the ball thrown to him. But I was surprised yeah. how unaggressive they were offensively. Yeah, they were very, very unaggressive. I, I think, uh, granted, they obviously had the quarterback change, but they only had, uh, I think, around 20 pass attempts anyways. And Heineke did try to push down the, the ball down the field a couple times. Uh, Terry McLaurin had that insane catch uh, down the sideline uh, with the, uh, I think there was a PI call on the play. Um, which didn't look like it should be possible, uh, but that was an insane catch. But, yeah, they really, play-calling-wise, were not uh, aggressive at all. Similarly, Indianapolis Colts were not aggressive at all. Um, Start with the – actually, yeah, let's keep going with that. Julian Davenport, the player who was playing left tackle for the Indianapolis Colts this past weekend, to me, did not look like an NFL player. Like, straight up, just didn't look like one. Um, early on in the game, and it got called back to a, due to an offsides, but he lost a 1v1 to Jamal Adams. Like, this is a safety versus a tackle. Jamal Adams is a very good player. Don't get it twisted, but that's massive red flag to me. Um, it, it made it difficult for the ball to go downfield to really any of the Indianapolis receivers, and both running backs were targeted heavily as a result, which – uh, should show that uh, to owners of both of the major Colts running backs that they they can coexist. Um, on the Wentz side of things, um, there's good and some bad. I'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive, but his technique looked much improved over 2020, and he didn't play hero ball, which I think is the main concern for a lot of people, including myself, that he was going to 
you know, start turning the ball over, trying to carry the, the team, trying to win the game when really he just needs to execute what he's told to do, what he's asked to do. And this seemed like a Wentz that was just trying to execute, trying to be a part of the team rather than trying to play hero ball. Um, on the Seattle side of things, most things were as expected. Um, the only thing I have to say there is that a lot of two tight end sets, and as such, both tight, end, tight ends played over the 70% of the snaps. This could be because they were in control of the game, so they were just trying to run it out a lot. Chris Carson had uh, 16 carries, played really well. Um, but I'm not excited about either tight end unless one takes over. That being said, uh, Russell Wilson threw like 23 times, uh, so the passing volume wasn't really there to dictate anyways. Of course, if you're going to get one of the tight ends, it should be Everett, but I'm kind of scared away from both uh, for the time being. Yeah, I mean, you saw the the Colts in that game really played a tail of two halves. In that second half, the defense played way better than did in that first half. Seattle had all their big plays. Russ mm-hmm. looked like he was unstoppable. They were really efficient with the ball. He talked about Russ not really having a lot of attempts. I think he was like around 26 or 27 balls he threw. Um, mm-hmm. he's very, he had 254 yards. He had the three touchdowns. Um, but I think overall it was kind of interesting to see when the Colts started kind of you know playing a little bit more like the Colts defense we expected, Seattle really struggled in that second half. So I'm kind of see interested to still see how that offense kind of unfolds for them because it's still a thing some question marks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so moving on to the Jets versus Carolina. Zach Wilson debuted, which was exciting. Uh, I think he progressed throughout the game. The first half was ugly, but a lot of it really wasn't on him. Um, the right side of the offensive line sucked to start the game. And then Mekhi Becton goes out on the left side. So then both sides suck. Uh, there were miscommunications on the offensive line, but at one point Brian Burns got a completely free shot of Zach Wilson, which you just can't have. Um, uh, Zach Wilson had a strong rapport with Corey Davis, although Corey Davis did have a, a pretty tough drop there in the second half. Um, Zach Wilson looked fantastic, uh, leaving the pocket and off schedule, as we all suspected. That was one of his major strengths in college. Um, Mims started, so hopefully we can put that whole saga to bed, but obviously we'll need to see what happens when Keelan Cole and when uh, you know the other receivers are all back. Um on the Panther side of things, Christian McCaffrey looked like Christian McCaffrey. Um, had an insane game, insane uh, volume on both as a receiver and a rusher. Uh, Robbie Anderson looked like the odd man out to me. I know we talked about this last week. I said it would be uh, DJ Moore that would be the odd man out. You said it would be Robbie Anderson. I think it's safe to say that at least for this week, uh, you were correct. <laughs> he had like. 10% of the team's targets or something when he averaged like 30% last season. Um, and I, it, yeah, it, with how that was going, it's very clear that one of them is going to get left out. It's, it's not going to be Terrace Marshall and it because he's going to play out of the slot and he's going to do well uh, there. One of those two, Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore is going to miss out. And so far the evidence points to it being Robbie Anderson. All right. Yeah, I think so, the Jets are one of the worst teams other than the Texans. Yeah. I mean, sorry, they did. the Jets, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And a, a lot of people were, were high on Sam Darnold for, uh, you know, we went out and beat uh, his former team and all of this. The Jets looked bad and they barely won. Uh, I am okay. still not sold on Sam Darnold. Uh, 
or really the Panthers as a hold with him at the helm. Uh, it, it was it was a real tale of two halves because like yeah. the first half Darnold was just slamming it. He had two touchdowns, two hundred and thirty yards. He was just going like ridiculous. And on the opposite end, Wilson only had eighty yards and he had an interception. And he also mm-hmm. they both had fumbles. So it was kind of like tale of two halves for both of those guys because Wilson turned it on the second half and Darnold kind of like coasted to a win in the second half. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have to see how that goes. Of course, um, on the Jets' defense, they were starting two corners at uh, – two rookie corners, I believe. Um, so I, I'm going to have to see more of of the Carolina offense to make any real conclusions on Darnold or, and the receivers and all of that. Um, but definitely some interesting takeaways for fantasy purposes. Um, and, Justin, we are moving on to you, uh, starting off with Minnesota versus Cincinnati, which was a great game. So I got the first of the overtime games, which was yes. an awesome game because we got to see uh, negative game strip Kirk Cousins, which is like supernova Kirk Cousins. He went for 351, and at one point they were behind, I think, 7 to 21. And he just started, you know, rattling them off. Um, obviously, he's got a good connection with Adam Thielen. They've been together for a long time. Uh, Thielen led the team with 10 targets, had two touchdowns, still looks good at, I believe, 32 years old. So, I mean, still looks like he maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't a fluke last year, the <laughs> the double digit touchdown season. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Jefferson ate as well. Uh, they found a new third uh, receiver with uh, KJ Osborne. And then. Um, I would say one of the downfalls, but it was because of his negative game script, was Dalvin Cook's running attack. Like overall, Dalvin Cook did really good. He had 104 scrimmage yards and a touchdown, but he didn't look the best running the ball. And that's something that kind of worries me because the Bengals aren't the best run defense. So when you're only averaging about three yards per run and you're Dalvin Cook, you know, you're usually pick number two in fantasy drafts. That kind of worries me a little bit. other than that, Tyler Conklin, you know, he looks like he could be a solid streamer if you ever need a tight end on a bye week. He had four catches. Uh, on the flip side, Burrow looked good. He didn't look timid. That was very good. I mean, he didn't look timid at all. He was stepping into his throws. He was taking a lot of pressure. I mean, the Minnesota was hammering him, and he was still in there in the pocket making his throws. Um, Tyler Boyd didn't have a good day. He had, I think, four targets. Uh, Jamar Chase had an outstanding day. Like, I guess he found the ball. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, five catches, 101 yards. He had that one touchdown where he absolutely burned his corner. Um, T. Higgins had a T. Higgins game. A lot of people are like, oh, T. Higgins, why did I get T. Higgins? You got T. Higgins because the guy is consistent. He goes four to five receptions. He gets 50 to 70 yards, and he gets a touchdown. What do you get? He got four receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown. That's what you asked for him. Um, that was T. Higgins. That was pretty much T. Higgins' stat lines all last year, so that's what you would ask for him. Um, CJ, I don't know how you say his last name, Uzma, 
I wouldn't buy on in on him. He had a nice catch at the end to set up the field goal, but uh, he's not a streamer for me. One thing, Minnesota's defense looks like it's going to be like heavy pressure this year. So they could be a streamer defense for teams. You know, if you need to have like a week where, you know, maybe you're sitting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, go out and see if you can get like the Minnesota Vikings. If they're on the waiver wire, they're going to get you a lot of sacks this year. Um, Bengals, not really much on them as far as defense goes. And then um, my next game, I believe, was the Cardinals and the Titans. Uh, one thing I wanted to add on the, the Bengals front real, real quick. Uh, yeah. Joe Mixon also played really oh, well and got a ton of volume. My, 29 man, carries no. and got the receiving alert like we expected, yeah. uh, which is great. So just want to make sure we hit that as well. Yeah, I know. My bad. I, I totally blanked on that one. Yeah, he had a, he had over 120 yards rushing, and then I think it was like 40 yards on the receiving end. So, yeah, he had a monster day. Mm-hmm. No, I blanked on that one. <laughs> but uh, next one was the Cardinals and the Titans, and that was a total trash game. For any Tennessee fans out there that were hoping that their team was going to absolutely go supernova this year on offense, you didn't. You didn't. Week one, you kind of got shellacked by the Cardinals' defense. Chandler Jones had a three-sack day. He forced a fumble. You know, this this team overall – yeah. <laughs> uh, Tannehill, he looked – I mean, yeah, he just looked like he was fighting for his life just to find something open. Uh, Julio Jones didn't have a good day, at least not a Julio day. Um, you know, A.J. Brown looked very inconsistent. He only caught half his targets. Uh, this tells you something. Chester Rogers led the team in receptions. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Flashbacks, trauma flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> um, so on the other side, the Cardinals were phenomenal. Um, Cardinals had two receivers catch two touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins is one. I bet you could have guessed that one. Can you guess the other one? Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. It was Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, the guy we were writing off, the guy that everybody last year said, oh, what a bum. Christian Kirk's back. And, I mean, when you look at A.J. Green getting six targets over there and being a bum, getting two receptions for 23 yards, Christian Kirk kind of looks like, you know, maybe the rational decision for Cliff Kingsbury to put in at the number two. Um, as far as the running backs go, kind of even split. Uh, I believe uh, Edwards, Edmonds got 16 and Connor got 12. That's right. 
Oh no, it's the other way around. I'm sorry. Sixteen for Connor and twelve for Edmonds. Um, yeah. I mean, nobody really shined too much. I think Edmonds had a better day in the receiving game. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much the Cardinals and the Titans. Derrick Henry had a terrible game. Yeah, mm-hmm. If anybody yeah. were to look at that, Derrick Henry did not have a very good game at all. Just uh, that's quick, a, Scott. That? Uh, I was going to say the Derrick Henry thing is a big part of the problem. They did not run the play action near as much as they did as they had been in the past, and I don't know if that's the new offensive coordinator or if it's uh, just because Derrick Henry wasn't getting anything going. But that's going to be a massive problem going forward if they can't get the play action going because that's been that offense's bread and butter. That's like what revitalized Tannehill um, and you know made everything click over there. So if, you know if they don't get back to that, then there's going to be massive problems in Tennessee. Well, they definitely look like they were just trying to push it with this new feel in the offense, because you know, like they they have two elite wide receivers, you know, they have a decent tight end, like a very athletic tight end. And I think they were really just trying to show off for the league, and it just didn't work. Um, but, yeah, I completely agree. The play action has to come back. I think it could set up a lot for this offense, especially with Julio. Chris, did you have anything to say? Yeah, I was just going to basically hit on what Adam talked about. I mean, obviously, see the difference in coaching from Arthur Smith to Todd Downing as offensive coordinator. There was only 11% of the snaps. Only 11% of the plays were play action yesterday. And you guys kind of talked about Derrick Henry starting off slow, but Derrick Henry's traditionally started off slow. This is a running back who hasn't had a 25-yard run in September in the last three or four years and still leads the league in rushing the last two years. So he doesn't – he isn't a guy that kind of comes out the gate, you know, necessarily effective and great. But to everybody's point, he does – you still have to utilize him as a play-action threat. When you don't do that, you're only dropping back 11% of the time is when you're, you're, you're not using the – you're using the play-action. For that, it's it's not getting the plays for A.J. Brown. It's not getting the plays for Julio Jones. This team's built – be a, be a be built off the path play action past it. So is the protection. You saw Tyler Wong get benched at one point towards the end of the towards the end of the game. So it's definitely an all around just terrible effort for the Titans offensive coordinator and I think just the team in general. Cool. All right. So the next one was San Francisco and Detroit. So uh, San Francisco looked good in the first half, and Detroit looked good in the fourth quarter. Um, so Two San minutes. Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we'll get to that. Um, so San Francisco kind of let it off um, with an absolute scoring barrage. Uh, Raheem Mostert went down after two carries. Elijah Moore carried the rest of the workload and did it fabulously. Uh, 19 carries for 104 yards and then a touchdown. Um, Debo was very Debo of 2019. Um, I think a lot of people – really thought he wasn't that great of a route runner. And, you know, he's not elite, but the guy knows how to run his routes. He was just not very healthy last year. I mean, we all forget that he came into last year off of a broken foot, that he suffered in camp. So this guy came in, and they were already talking in, like, in-camp reports how he looked better because last year he was kind of, like, sluggish, out of shape when he got in. I think that's what led to a lot of the manufactured touches. But anyways, he looked very good, you know, had a ton of hits, 12 targets in nine receptions, um, touchdown, 189 yards, good game. Kittle looked good. He had four catches, 78 yards. Um, 
Let's see. Mostert's now out for the season if nobody knows that yet. So it's going to be the Elijah Mitchell train. Uh, supposedly Trey Sermon has looked not so great in camp, so looks like he'll be the third string. Uh, wouldn't bank on that being the long term. But uh, one key for anybody who has the 49ers defense. 49ers defense has for the past, gosh, I want to say at least three to four years, maybe even longer, been a terrible secondary when their number one goes down. And Jason Verrett went down on a season-ending ACL injury. So that is kind of what led to Detroit coming back because Detroit started to go to the outside, started to connect with Amon St. Brown. Um, Quintus Watkins got catches when he was getting no catches in the very beginning. He got two catches at the end. He had seven targets throughout the entire game, only two catches, but that came when Verrett was not in. Uh, Deontay Johnson can't cover for anything. If you have the 49ers defense, I'm telling you right now, abort mission, go find somebody else. They brought in Dre Fitzpatrick, but it's not not necessarily what's going to save them. On the other side, uh, Jared Goff, he looked good for what it's worth. I mean, he hooked up, he hooked up with TJ Hawkinson, and um, I really liked the way that they utilized Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. You know, they kind of utilized Jamal Williams as more as the running back, like the standard rushing running back, and DeAndre Swift was more of the pass-catching running back. They caught the same amount of uh, passes, but – Obviously, Swift looked a little bit better in the passing or in the receiving game than Williams did. So it looks like each one of them is going to have a role going forward, which is kind of one thing a lot of people were wondering, was Jamal Williams going to eat into DeAndre Swift to where he wasn't going to be fantasy relevant? And yesterday kind of proved, or Sunday kind of proved, both of them could get 20 points on a good defense for fantasy. Um, And obviously – like I said, Hawkinson had a great day. He had eight catches. Uh, anybody else want to tune in? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say on the 49ers running back situation, um, I I think uh, Sermon will end up as the RB2 pretty quickly. Elijah Mitchell with that big day and obviously the big camp uh, may have secured the RB1 with Mostert gone. Uh, but – uh, Jamichael Hasty, I think, was more of a special teams decision in my book. Uh, even with, uh, you know, they, the 49ers are always a two running back system. Mostert goes down. Jamichael Hasty got one target and one rushing attempt. Um, they just made Elijah Mitchell the bell, bell cow instead of really giving Hasty the ball a lot. Uh, he obviously did well with his two touches, um, but that lack of really like making it a two running back approach like they normally do leads me to believe that Sermon is the one they view as the second best back but the Hasty was obviously a better special teamer and you know better to have for other reasons because going into the game he was the third running back and it just wasn't figured to get a lot of usage yeah no I, I could see that I also you know last year Hasty was pretty good when he started mm-hmm. um I'm not going to doubt that. I I think that obviously Sermon is going to factor into this sooner rather than later. But, you know, I wouldn't um, 
I wouldn't doubt what Hasty can bring. I saw him in preseason. He brought a, lot, a little bit more power into his game, which is kind of what he was lacking. He was more of the shifty running back when he was undrafted from Baylor. But, you know, coming into this season, it looks like he's added a little bit more power to his game. He's running up the middle a little bit more. Um, he wouldn't have gotten a goal line carry if they, they really didn't believe that he could make that goal line. So, Let's see right, Jimmy G look good. Yeah, he did. He did. But, I mean, I think that was kind of like standard for him. I mean, he, he he did a lot of good play action passes to Kittle, which is kind of like his bread and butter. But, um, yeah, Jimmy G did good. Trey Lance came in. <laughs> he did. <laughs> one and there was through a touchdown pass. To to our new favorite receiver, Trent Surfield. <laughs> <laughs> and Brandon Ayuk did not play. But I think everybody already knows that. Don't trash him. Just uh just kind of wash that goose egg off your face. Um so the next game is Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Buffalo versus the Steelers. So that was not a good game for Najee Harris. Um, obviously, the Bills kind of figured what the Steelers wanted to do and were clogging up the lanes. I think he only got one breakaway run in that entire game. Um, as far as Ben, Ben didn't look like he had too much zip in his deep ball. Like, he was he was floating a lot of passes. Didn't look good. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, Claypool, I liked Claypool. Did you see that pass there or that catch that Claypool got? The the moss on uh, Tredavious White. Yeah, that was, that nice. was <laughs> a ballsy throw, but it was a great catch. Oh man, he's just got to think to himself like this guy can literally leap to about like five feet above his height. You know <laughs> what I mean, like like he was it was crazy, but um, but obviously that's what they get in Claypool, you know, Mapletron. Um, Deontay Johnson, I didn't think he looked good at all. Uh, he bobbled, uh, he bobbled himself into a touchdown reception at the end. But I mean, if you took his stat line previous to that, he was going at about four catches for about 20 yards. So that is not really what you want from a Deontay Johnson. Um, none of the receivers really kind of showed out for me, to be honest. Uh, let's see. Not much to talk with Ebron. If you go over to the Buffalo side, Josh Allen, a lot of people talking about how he looks like the Josh Allen of old. I mean, he had, I think he connected on 30 of 59 passes. So for me, that just kind of means that they kind of need to get the running game a little bit more involved. And they had a lead early and they really didn't press with it because they had Singletary going, right? They had Singletary. Singletary had 11 carries. He had 70 yards. He broke away with one big rush for over 20 yards and they kind of didn't really like keep going. I know Zach Moss was a late scratch. So maybe they didn't want to, you know, overuse him and fall back onto whatever their third stringer is, but it was just kind of like, they didn't really utilize what they had. And the Pittsburgh defense was making it very hard on them. They forced a couple fumbles from Allen, a couple fumbles from uh, Singletary they were pressing him all day long. Diggs didn't. Diggs looked 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Not like Diggs. He still looked like a starting receiver, like a number one receiver. He caught nine passes for 69 yards, but he just didn't look like Diggs. He wasn't going out and catching these big, you know, big gains and chewing up a lot of yards. Um, Manuel Sanders looked decent. Uh, Cole Beasley had eight catches. Um, yeah, Gabe Davis ended up with the, the touchdown, but I guess that's really all I can say about Gabe Davis. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Uh, yeah. What do you guys got to say about that? Not too much. I think you hit um, most of it that I would have. All right. Well, then Philly and Atlanta, um, not the game I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a shootout, and it ended up being Jalen Hurts coming in with a machine gun and absolutely blowing everybody away. Um, Jalen Hurts made – I think this is – what everybody wanted from Carson Wentz, obviously, but with that healthy, having a healthy offensive line, that offensive line looked really good. Like they, Hurts didn't really look like he was getting too much pressure. Like nobody was getting through. I mean, I know it's not the best defense in the world, Atlanta. They gave up the most yards to receivers last year, but. but I mean, Hertz was scrambling well. He connected with Devontae Smith often. He made Jalen Rager re- relevant. I mean, we I think a lot of people thought Jalen Rager, including myself, was kind of just a wash from that draft class. Um, yeah, he got one to, he got a touchdown to Rager, he got a touchdown to Smith, he got a touchdown to Goddard, he got two passes out to Ertz. Uh Ertz seems like he's gonna be, you know, a decent option for them. You know, he can maybe be, you know, somebody who can play like a safety net in the sense that, you know, big time third down play comes in and they need a catch. Bring in Zach Ertz, you know, he can still do it. Um, my biggest takeaway, though, was that Miles Sanders looked good. Miles Sanders looked good in the rushing and the receiving game. And they got Kenneth Gainwell, which I've been preaching. Go get Kenneth Gainwell. They got Kenneth Gainwell involved. Uh, he got a touchdown off 37 yards, and I think he only got like four carries. 
No, nine carries. I'm bad. Um, on the other side, there wasn't much to talk about. Matt Ryan kind of stunk it up. Uh, if I would say one thing, Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis look good. Cordell Patterson in particular, he seemed to be running the ball really well. That didn't really seem to be their problem. It was the negative game script of being down by so many points. But, yeah, he got 54 yards off seven carries, so maybe that could be something. Kyle Pitts got eight targets, but only reeled in about four for 31 yards. Uh, Ridley got five catches. But overall, it was just kind of a really underwhelming day for Matt Ryan. He had a lot of pressure in his face. You know, the Eagles defense definitely brings it. I mean, I don't think anybody has ever denied that. It's always kind of been a question of their secondary, if they can handle, you know, people throwing it over the top. So I think that's why this was going to be like an anticipated, like high, like Arsenal game where a lot of points are going to be scored. But, you know, it seemed like their pass rush kind of locked up Ryan early on. Anybody else got any notes? No, it was an ugly game, especially on the Atlanta side. Yeah. The the Devonta Smith touchdown looked great, though. That was actually a pretty good pass by Hurts. Yeah. Our, you know, the, the comeback route for uh, – for Goddard, where he kind of like faked out his defender, he went one way and then slid back the other way, right when Hertz was like rolling out. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, yeah, I think it was a good showing for Hertz. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So, Chris, you get to start us off with one of the best games of the week: uh, Cleveland versus Kansas City. That was great. It was def- definitely an exciting game. You know, Cleveland jumped up ahead and you, behind Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had a really nice game. You kind of expect, expected they to run the ball, and they did. Um, I think one of the things that was kind of surprising about this Cleveland offense is how much they utilized the three tight ends. Baker didn't have ODB, uh, Obel Jekum. He was basically, you know, ruled out right before the kickoff. They, I don't know if was going on, if he's still, you know, recovering, if they're just trying to play it safe with him. But basically he wasn't part of the – he wasn't in there. So you saw the tight ends really step up, and Joku had 72 yards. Doesn't mean you necessarily run out, and run out and go get him in a fantasy league. I think all three of these guys are going to kind of butcher each other. But it was really interesting to see that if one of them goes down – they definitely used tight ends a lot more than they kind of expected them to. Um, and then Cream Hunt had, you know, was still continues to be involved. He scored a touchdown. He's one of the prime, you know, guys that use in the passing game. Um, so he's able to still be effective with Nick Chubb having the good game, other than the fumble, basically. <clears throat> and then the other side of the ball, the Chiefs were the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes Holmes had a great game. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you know, showed up. Tyreek Hill, to me, is a monster out there among men. Um, and he basically couldn't cover him. A little concerning. A lot of people are talking about today in the last couple of days are the Chiefs kind of the only only have those two guys basically to rely on. Is that going to be a problem for them? Let's be real. They've had these two guys for the last two or three years. That's it's no problem for them. So I think that you have you have two elite players that like these type these two you're going to be just fine. Clyde Edwards Hilaire didn't have a big game or anything like that. He was pretty productive. Um, but the one thing you liked that coming out was he wasn't really taken out on third downs. He played most of the snaps out there. He was involved in both the passing and receiving and rushing game. So you kind of have the Chiefs' offensive line kind of still getting some continuity. It hasn't really shown itself. He wasn't really super effective yesterday. The Browns did get some pressure. They were able to kind of bought up the run a little bit more. But you got to remember, these guys have to have a little chance to gel. There's not a whole lot of practice for regular season games. People can't tackle them, you know, in the practice. You don't really play in the preseason much together. So I think this is kind of still an adjustment for the Chiefs. But as so, it was still very impressive to see them come back and win this game and put up numbers with their big-time players. Absolutely. Uh, that, uh, that D line on Cleveland looked pretty good too. Uh, you know, especially with how much the Kansas city beefed up the offensive line, it was still surprising to see miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney of all people meet up in the backfield a couple of times. 
Yeah, the Browns defense definitely has some potential to be a, a, definitely a threat. That Chiefs defense wasn't as good a thing as people anticipated, though. They had mm-hmm. really struggled to make Baker kind of get jumpy. They had, weren't getting really any pressure. And Baker mm-hmm. played a really solid game. He could have much bigger numbers, um, but I think that they were kind of taking their foot off the pedal a little bit and trying to establish the running game a bit more in that second half. But he was having a nice game utilizing all the weapons he had out there. Yeah, I think people are going to take away a lot of credit from him because of that pick late. But prior to that, he was playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, the other game that I covered was the Green Bay New Orleans game. I don't know if I can call it a game. Um, it was basically <laughs> the Saints were there. The Packers forgot that there was a game. Uh, I think they thought the movie was preseason still. Aaron Rodgers basically looked terrible out there. And then a lot of that behind to do with the pressure. Um, I mean, the Saints basically were in the backfield over and over again. Aaron Jones did absolutely nothing. Uh, A.J. Dillon really didn't do much either. They couldn't establish a line of scrimmage at all. You had two rookies. You know, everybody kind of talked about they didn't play so bad. I don't know what else is watching. I just saw people in the Saints backfield. Saints had guys in the backfield constantly. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looked a little bit uncomfortable out there. Kind of be expected. And this guy was away from you know the team for most of the offseason. They didn't really play in preseason at all. So while you're starting Aaron Rodgers, you're still an adjustment to playing NFL speed football. Um, and I think that was something we kind of noticed that you saw. He was kind of behind some of the throws. He wasn't on time with some of the things he was doing. One positive he kind of took out of the situation was Van Scatling. Maybe actually the receiver, too, you're looking for. He did get eight targets. Um, he was, you know, he didn't get really many yards, only 17 yards. But then again, nobody really had any yards for the Green Bay Packers. But I do think the eight targets is something to kind of consider that usually Aaron Rodgers targets you eight times, you're going to be pretty effective. On the flip side, New Orleans Saints looked great. I don't think Sean Payton could have played it, coached a better game. Um, he put Jameis Winston in constant successful situations. I mean, guy had five touchdown passes, so he definitely looked good when you do that. Um, but still only struggled to have, like, you know, I think it was only barely over 200 yards. Um, he did have the big play, uh, the Harris, he hit him in the bomb. But most of the plays were easy, kind of easy throws. They established Kamara as kind of their bell cow back. He got about 25 touches, um, most of those in a rushing game. And I think that was really interesting to kind of see Alvin Kamara be utilized strictly mostly in the rushing game, not really had the ball thrown to him a whole lot. You didn't see Tony Jones get sprinkled in there, so that was kind of relief. And even when they were up, before they got up big, He's being involved in the offense, so that's definitely an interesting thing to kind of keep your eye on. Uh, Callaway didn't really do anything, but you really didn't need to. The whole rest of the Saints receiver core didn't do a whole lot. Jawan Johnson did have the two touchdowns. Adam, you're kind of talking about guys you kind of want to don't jump off the you know the cliff for. I think Jawan Johnson, I love his talent. I love his upside. He played 10 snaps, or ran 10 patterns, I should say. Um, he did have the two touchdowns, but he ran 10 pass plays. So Troutman ran about four times that amount. So Troutman obviously still going to be the tight ends primarily out there. Um, so you still want to keep your eye on him. You don't want to slowly move away from him. He still got 25% of the target share. So as somebody, like I said, still going to be involved in the passing game. So don't think Jawan Johnson because he had the two touchdowns all of a sudden just you know suddenly surpassed Troutman because that wasn't the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's not a ton to talk about. It was an absolutely ugly showing on the the Green Bay side, and, and New Orleans got their way. And it's kind of hard to to talk about what New Orleans is going to do with that small sample size. There was, what, 20 passing attempts? I mean, uh, Tony Jones looked good, I guess, is a, another thing. He looked pretty good as the new Saints RB2. Uh, yeah, that's Absolutely. about it. Yeah, I think the, the major point is how well Sean Payton has whipped Jameis Winston into shape. Because that Packers pass rush defense is really, like, it's pretty damn good. But, you know, Jameis seemed perfectly fine. He stepped into his throws. He got his throws off. He did all the things that Jameis usually does. He just did them in a more efficient manner. And so, like, I, I feel like if you get, like, an efficient Jameis, almost like what, you know, we were talking about with Tannehill, 
that could be freaking sky's the limit as far as touchdown wise because he can really sling it across the field and New Orleans has tons of deep threats. You know, Deontay Harris, when Traquan Smith comes back, um, Jawan Johnson is obviously showing out. So they got definitely a lot of people to bring the ball to. And then um, obviously Michael Thomas is coming back. So, yeah, that was that was a little scary. <laughs> see how good they are. But, um, yeah. Cool, cool. Give me a quick second. Uh, no, you're good. Uh, next game was Denver and the Giants. Um, not a very much a lot of offense in this game. You did see some playmakers towards the end of the game. Uh, unfortunately, Jerry Judy did suffer the injury. He's going to be out approximately six weeks. Um, I'm I'm glad it's only six weeks to be honest because it looked like it was much worse than that. I thought yeah. the season was over. I also thought that was a season ender. Yeah, it looked like a broken ankle. Yeah. Um, but in between, on Denver's side, Teddy Bridgewater played the point guard. He did a great job of getting guys, different guys involved. He utilized all his different weapons out there. You know, nobody really went crazy, but you saw Hamler be involved. You saw Fant being involved. You saw a uh, backup tight end being involved. And you even saw the running backs being involved. So I think overall, the only guy I didn't really see get involved was Cortland Sutton. Um, I think that he was on a snap count. So you're still going to see his best days ahead of him. Um, we did see Patrick take over when Judy went down and take over the outside receiver, and he will be the starting outside receiver. Hamler upside inside and play the slot where Judy played most of his snaps, actually, which I was super happy to see. I was so bad that Judy got hurt because it was like, you're playing in the slot. They're usually you properly. You're burning everybody, and then you get injured. Um, and in the backfield, it was basically a perfect 50-50 split. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, both involved in the passing and rushing pack. They paid, they shared exactly the amount of the same snaps out there. Uh, Melvin Gordon had the bigger statistics. He had that 70-yard run. looked looked explosive. I mean, the demise of Melvin Gordon is a little bit understated, overstated, I think, during this offseason. I think people thought he was going to you know, go away because Javante Williams was going to be this beast guy. Javante Williams is good, and I don't take that away from him. Melvin Gordon is not going anywhere anytime soon. This team probably will have 50-50 split more, more than most of the season, if I think. I still think that Javante Williams' best days could be ahead of him, and he could be flip-flop easily where he was the guy breaking the 70-yarder. But I like how both these guys are utilized, and I think they're both – effective RB3 flex plays that you definitely could have in your lineup. Um, on the other side of the ball, the Giants, they kind of you kind of saw how rusty they were. Uh, Saquon was on, on a pitch, pitch count, basically. He wasn't heavily involved. He looked he had some decent runs here and there. You just see some of the explosiveness, so you kind of have some some excitement about him. You just see him have that one run where he kind of carried a bunch of guys on his back, so you kind of like feel like maybe he's getting his leg back with him. Um, the offensive line for the Giants was awful, though. So there's going to have some concerns about whether how effective this offense is going to be. You see David Jones, Daniel Jones fumble again as a result of that. Um, he was able to get Shepard involved, and Shepard was kind of the unsung hero for the past weekend. A lot of people kind of wrote him off in the Giants offseason. He got slid back to his comfortable position in the slot. Um, I think it's where he's most effective and the best he can be. It was nice to kind of see him be involved. He had 113 yards and a touch. Uh, Galladay was okay. He had four catches for 67 yards. Darius Slayton was the one of the second leading targeted guy receiving core. Um, I think the three of those guys should be the guys who should be out there. I don't know if that's going to be consistently be what happens as Tony gets kind of more acclimated to the offense. But I do think that, you know, some of those guys, at least one or two of those guys should be pretty effective. It will get interesting when Ingram comes back. He did not play this past week. So it will be kind of interesting to see the touches kind of unfold when you have a healthy Ingram and a healthy Saquon and these three receivers. Um, but overall, I think the Giants did okay offensively. I still think that you couldn't respect a whole lot with them because they basically had no continuity. The one thing is definitely discouraging if I'm a Giants fan, though, is the offensive line is really, really bad, and it didn't look any better in this regular season. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the other game that I basically got into is Miami New England game. One of those defensive battles. Um, you know, both teams kind of had fell each other out. Very similar schemes. It was really interesting to see the Patriots side. You know, basically go back to the old Tom Brady playbook. Um, you saw a lot of empty sets. You saw a lot of James White being come back, fill his fantasy relevant again. Um, you saw Nelson Aguilar being involved in the passing game and Myers. Both those guys had decent games. You know, Aguilar had the touchdown, but you can see the receivers are actually going to be utilized. Neither tight end jumped off the board, actually, but they're both very effective. Janu caught five out of five targets. Uh, Henry caught three out of three targets. They played about 50 to 70, I think it was 55 snaps for Janu out of 72 plays and 50 snaps for Henry out of 72 plays. So you saw there wasn't really much of a split between the two guys. There's going to be a lot of two tight end sets for this team. Um, and I think the guy who really shined out was Damian Harris. Damian Harris was a monster until that fumble. I do have some concerns going forward because there's a lot of reports coming out of New England that Damian Harris is that bell cow quote unquote back days might have ended with that fumble because that Belichick's very upset with how it kind of unfolded and may not give him as many touches moving forward. But I was excited for like Damian Harris for that whole game because he was involved in the passing game a decent amount. He was involved in the rushing game. And he ran like a monster out there. So I do think there could be some potential. It is kind of scary though because Belichick gets involved. You know the guys can kind of get benched. Ronnie Stevenson, you know, the preseason darling, did have a fumble as well, and you didn't see the rest of the green. So it, it is one of those things that they don't play around in the New England backfield. And there's a lot of talk that J.J. Taylor might be activated this week to kind of take one of those guys' touches a little bit. On the other side of the ball, um, Miami kind of struggled for the beginning. Tua didn't play a bad game. He was kind of efficient. He wasn't really good. He didn't have any time really to sit there and, and make plays. Uh, the offensive line for the Dolphins isn't any good either, um, and you kind of noticed that. Jalen Waddle definitely had a nice little rookie game. He had six catches for 60-something yards, scored a touchdown, had that nice 17-yard touchdown where he kind of had some yak after the thing, kind of stretched into the end zone. So you can see he's exposed to missing his ability. Uh, the one thing I think was kind of disappointing for the Miami side was guys, Seki basically wasn't involved in the passing game really at all. Um, he really struggled out there. I think he was only targeted twice. Um, he, even his actual attempts running, his pass plays per percentage actually was only 60%. So he's back. he's staying back blocking a lot more probably because that line really isn't that good. But it is concerning because you know that Will Fuller comes back next week, so will he kind of fall even farther down the kind of, you know, chain? Um, Devontae Parker had a nice game. It was nice to see Tua throw a jump ball or two to him. Devontae went up and made some plays. Um, he kind of, you know, showed you Devontae Parker. He wasn't near any separation, but he made the you know, nice, successive catches, and Tua was able to utilize him. I think he's another guy that people kind of have written off going into this year. Similar to Mike Williams talked about having him have a nice game for the Chargers. I think Devontae Parker has been kind of forgotten about, and he shouldn't be because he's still a talented guy, and he can still make some plays. Yeah, agreed that. Uh, the game was good. Uh, both tight ends for the Patriots very well could be fantasy relevant. Uh, uh, you know, I, I own Janu, or I roster Janu, and with how he played, despite the fact that uh, Hunter Henry isn't going anywhere, I'm not at all concerned about uh, his ability to be a starting tight end uh, in fantasy. Yeah, I think we talked about before on their show, you know, we've seen the Patriots historically be able to feed two tight ends. Mm -hmm. Even we, we go outside Gronk and Hernandez. Michael Bennett used to have some good games when he was paired up with Gronk as well. So yeah. they do know how to utilize two, got two tight ends if they need to. And even Ben Watson has some good games. So mm -hmm. I think that this is an offense that you can see utilize more than one tight end. Absolutely. I think another thing to point out is Mac Jones didn't have a bad game against a really good defense. Yeah. So that may make him QB2 viable for, you know, a lot of Superflex teams 
going forward in the future because I thought we all thought he was going to not really show out and have like a really like good game, but you know, for him to not really be turnover prone against the team that really goes after it, you know, Xavier Howard goes after it. They got Byron Jones on the other side. You know, they had Kyle Van Noy. So, you know, I, I thought that was a pretty good game for a rookie. Absolutely. It was very efficient. He had 280 yards. I think he was 29 for 39. Yeah, he played great. Even the Dolphins defenders were talking about he didn't look like a rookie out there where he had to come in and kind of run the team. I think yeah. that one two people are pretty happy about that, Justin, is Adam and I, because we've been, we've been on the on Matt Jones train for a while now. We've been beating <laughs> off since draft day that this guy can play. So it was nice yeah. to see him kind of show out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, then I had a Sunday night game, Chicago and Los Angeles. Um, I think the Rams came out, basically showed you what you're hoping to see. Matthew Stafford throwing the ball over the field. Basically the antithesis of Jared Goff. Um, and as a result, you saw the, the Rams actually have some big plays, which they really struggled with last year. You saw Van Jefferson have that big touchdown catch. You saw Cooper Cup basically be a beast out there. Robert mm-hmm. Woods wasn't in Headley's involved, but I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about that. I think it was kind of more the matchup. He saw more of Jalen Johnson. Well, Cooper Cup was utilized a little more in the slot and saw some of the weaker two corners of Chicago. Um, overall, the Rams' offense was pretty much what you hoped to see. Henderson, you know, had a decent game. He wasn't super great, but he was effective. And Chicago's not one of the easier teams to run against, so I think he was pretty – you got kind of what you're looking for. One curious thing or interesting thing, I should say, was Sonny Michelle basically only played one, one or two snaps. He only had one carry. I wasn't involved at all. I mean, he was still kind of learning the playbook, and you kind of saw this is going to be Henderson's show for probably a little next couple weeks at least. Um, on the other side, oh, the other thing that kind of added is Higby. While he wasn't super heavily involved, he was out there for the majority of the plays. Um, he was definitely utilized. It was definitely not seeing him not have to split time with Everett, and I think that his brighter days are ahead of him too. This Rams offense in general was pretty good. Played a decent defense, and they were able to kind of show out what you kind of hope to see. Uh, Matthew Stafford looked electric out back there. Yeah. Stafford looked great. Uh, yeah. I think I, I think uh, Higby was on every single play that had a tight end. He, had, he yeah. played. He played every every snap. Yeah. Um, so. And then yeah. And then on defense, I mean, on the other side of the ball, Chicago. How we've been talking about Andy Dalton didn't do anything. Uh, I was very very happy to see David Montgomery be productive in the rushing game. I was very unhappy to see David Montgomery not be throwing the ball. And Damian Williams is going to be that new Tariq Cohen. Um, you kind of saw Nagy kind of show his. His ugly side of not knowing how to utilize it properly in the back. Because to me, Mount Garmin clearly looked like he was very explosive back there and, and should have got more touches. Um, and I think that was kind of disappointing to kind of see. Allen Robinson didn't have a great game, but you didn't expect him to because he's going to see a lot of Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey will match up with you in the slot on the few corners who do do that. So it's going to not going to be a great game for him anyway. You know, Mooney had a decent game, but Mooney hasn't has been a talk of the all offseason. He didn't do anything that super impressive. Um, Cole Clement played the majority of the snaps. Jimmy Graham basically was only utilizing the red zone, which we kind of expect going into this year. I'm still mind-boggled why Chicago brought Jimmy Graham back. That's why they had, they had to cut Kyle Fuller in his $9 million contract to keep Jimmy Graham in his $9 million contract to play 14% of the snaps yesterday. So, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think overall, Chicago looked, looked very, very average on offense. You did see a little bit of sprinkle of Justin Fields. He did have a touchdown run. We've kind of utilizing that Trey Lance role that we're going to see the 49ers probably utilize more too. Um, and he kind of had an ability, but I think he'll probably be playing sooner than later. The one thing that was bad news for Chicago, or even worse news, I should say, Peters got hurt already. Surprise, surprise. Um, so they're back to their, their backup, 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 left tackle, I think, right now, because yep. they basically are signing guys off the street to play. 
Um, Elijah Wilkinson was was the guy, basically the guy, the right tackle, wound up playing left tackle to end the game yesterday, because, or Sunday, I should say, because it was that that, that bad for them. That's a team that you definitely have to be have concerns about um, offensively because the offensive line is another offensive line is just terrible. All the more reason to bring Field in. Hmm. Yeah, if Donald, only um, if only the Bears had like Charles Leno or someone. Yeah, right. Just don't cut him for no reason. <laughs> um, and finally, the Monday night game, you saw the Ravens take on the Raiders. A uh, very good game overall. You know, one overtime. Raiders kind of made that comeback to pull it out. Lamar had a key fumble. Offensively, with the Ravens, kind of what you hope to see. Taysom Hill looked explosive. Taysom Williams, I'm sorry, looked explosive. He was able to be utilized. The only thing you were kind of disappointed was he only had about nine car- nine carries. A big part of that was because he basically phased out in the second half, and Latavius Murray kind of took over a lot of those carries. Um, they said the reason basically was that the fumble that Lamar had early on in the game, Taysom Williams missed a block he's supposed to pick up on, and that pretty much put him in the doghouse as a result. That's why he didn't really see the touches that he had in the first half. Um, but I do think overall Taysom Williams is a guy that you definitely you, you feel pretty confident. He's very productive. He scored a touchdown there. He looked very explosive. You do have some questions because he's still kind of raw to the game, especially the NFL game. Of, you know, when it comes to pass protection, when it comes to certain situations, you know, people forget that running backs aren't just got to be good runners. You have to be able to do some other things to get your coaches kind of, you know, trust. So it is something that's going to might be costing him some carries here or there moving forward. But overall, you're very happy with what you saw with him. The other guys you're really happy to see with was the receivers. Marquise Brown showed up. He actually has six catches for six. Six out of six catches, which is never a Marquise Brown number you've really seen since he's been in the NFL. Um, he only had 60-something yards, scored a touchdown. But I think it was really – that's encouraging to me because he wasn't just running the goes, which we've kind of seen Greg Roman kind of pigeonhole in the last two years. And he's running actual routes and being utilized appropriately. Sammy Watkins had, some nice, had a really nice game. We can kind of talk about him as a sleeper during the offseason as the guy that we were kind of waiting to see what he would fit in this offense. And he basically fit very well. He was leading target receiver. He had eight, eight targets. Um, went almost over 100 yards, and I think that you're really interested to see that one guy who didn't have a great game with the Raiders, like I expected, was Mark Andrews, only had three catches for 20 yards, kind of disappointing game overall for him. He had a kind of tough drop. Um, I think there was a, a good matchup where you kind of expect Mark Andrews to do much more than that, and I think one of the reasons that he didn't do as much, and even receivers maybe could have had even bigger games, was Lamar wasn't, didn't look quite comfortable back there. Um, he faced pressure on 41% of the snaps. And that's unacceptable. The Ravens really struggled with that last year, protecting him. That was kind of something people didn't really talk about. They always blame Lamar for when passing he doesn't work or certain plays don't work. Well, Lamar saved their butt a lot with his, his ability to run, his ability to kind of scramble and make things happen. The offensive line was not doing him any favors yesterday. Um, Ronnie Stanley, you know, the guys they basically passed on Brown to keep and make a left tackle just look, didn't look good out there at all. And Villanueva, I'm not really well, sure where he's ever up. Yeah, I agree. And I think Villanueva is a guy that, Everybody thought it was going to be, you know, a stability thing. He sucked in Pittsburgh last year. People forgot that. So he didn't do anything better, and I don't expect him to do anything better. Um, I'm really kind of – I'm a little bit worried about the Ravens in general because this is a game offensively. I think they really should have throttled the Raiders, and they didn't – it had decent numbers. Lamar had decent numbers, but I think overall you expect a little bit more. On the flip yeah. side, um, the Raiders, Derek Carr, you know, basically was really conservative for the first three quarters. Come that fourth quarter, he let it rip. John Gruden let it rip. Darren Waller went crazy with 19 targets. I don't think we're ever going to see that again, but he was definitely the primary recipient of Derek Carr having over 430 yards. Um, the Raiders did throw the ball constantly, and it was basically a big part of it because they had a struggle to run the ball. 
Um, but also because Derek Carr started getting rhythm and Ravens defense without having Peters is something becoming more susceptible. You kind of saw they weren't being able to jam guys off the line. They were getting, they were giving guys clear releases. Hunter Renfro was kind of utilized. He's a sleeper guy, I think, in PPR for a lot of people because he is like the glorified Cole Beasley out there for the Raiders. Derek Carr loves him. He will throw that six and seven yard past him over and over and over again. He's going to be that king of the six catches, 60 yards. Um, Edwards and Ruggs really didn't do anything until that final drive in the fourth quarter. And that's when you kind of saw both those guys kind of step it up. Ruggs wound up having a touchdown that won it. Um, you know, Edwards had over 80 yards, but like I said, he was basically not utilized at all until the very last, those last two minutes. Um, both guys do have brighter days, I think. I think I saw like Edwards over Ruggs. Um, you see the kind of talent difference. Ruggs is still kind of one trick pony a lot of ways. Yeah. Darren Waller, like I said, was just a monster out there. He was just targeted. Yeah. He was like Travis Kelsey on crack. Um, and I think that you saw Derek Carr just basically lock on to him and utilize him as much as possible. And even had a couple of drops and was still just still had an outstanding game. So overall, I think the Raiders offense was pretty much what you were kind of hoping to see. Jacobs even had two touchdowns despite never having an efficient game. And you got to finally see how the split between and Drake was going to work. Drake's going to be the pass catching guy primarily. I did like to give him a few carries to make it not super predictable, which I think is going to help him be more effective and the Raiders offense be more effective. So I think overall the Raiders played pretty well. They did lose good. They're off the line from um, one of their offensive linemen for the season. He's going to be out. So that's going to be interesting as offensive line has kind of already lost some big pieces. Um, but I think overall the Raiders offense played really well, especially against tough, tough for Ravens defense. So you were pleased with what you saw out of coming out of Las Vegas yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, back to the Tyson Williams thing. Uh, he had, he gave up a sack, I believe, in the fourth quarter, and one of the few times he got in as well, uh, if I remember correctly, um, which is tough because that offensive line did both tackle spots. And admittedly, I think Ronnie Stanley will recover uh, you know, prior to his – he broke a leg, correct? Was that the injury he had last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so – that's a tough injury to come back from. And prior to that, he was one of the better pass blockers in the league. So I think he will be fine. Uh, it's just going to take some time for him to come back from that. But to your point, Villanueva was not good last year. Uh, there's no saving that. And I don't know if he can be replaced at this point. Uh, obviously, he's out there for a reason. He's probably better than whoever's behind him. Um, and it's hard to get linemen off the street. So especially with we've I mean, I think this has been a recurring theme. We've complained about the passing protection from tackles a lot of times today. Uh, so, so that's going to be difficult. And it could be a, a mitigating factor for Tyson Williams if he also is struggling to block because uh, they can't afford it. Uh, it was a night and day difference when it came to actually running the ball between Latavius Murray and Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams is very, very easily of the people that had rushing attempts. On the Baltimore Ravens, he was the best non-Lamar runner, and it was not close, not even a little bit. But yet he lost it to uh, Latavius Murray just because they could trust Latavius Murray to pass block. I think that, like you said, you have to at least take the positive of, I think they'll see that he is the best runner, but he's going to lose carries because of it. Until he improves the pass blocker, he's out of the game, like you said, so maybe he can improve there. I think he has the frame for it, but... That, that was concerning, at least a little bit. But having said all that, I think that you're going to see primarily a split like you saw with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards last year. Mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins struggled with seeing a lot of the same things that we're kind of talking with Jason Williams has to kind of learn. And he never had, really had more than 15 carries most of the games he played. So I yeah. think you're going to kind of expect Jason Williams to kind of have that similar role. Ravens aren't going to give guys necessarily 20 carries. but I'll, well, My hope that was going to happen, but that yeah. was never going to happen. So I think that's where 
you see the role for both these guys, and you see Taysom Hill definitely somebody that you don't want to panic on any stretch of the means because he looks very talented. And if he even all 15 carries, he can be very effective in this offense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I thought he would get a little bit more uh, just this week, like this week specifically, just because of Latavius Murray, obviously only having a couple practices. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, going forward, he was never going to get some crazy volume. So it shouldn't be uh, too much of a problem. But, you know, you, you would like to see him do a little bit better in the pass blocking. But I, I, you're right, he'll still be involved. Um, just it was definitely a big note for me. Yeah, um, I'm not totally on the Tyson Williams thing yet. I think he looked good yesterday, but I think he looked good against a terrible run defense. Um, they obviously the Raiders improved their pass or their uh, pass rush because Max Crosby. Well, I mean against Villanueva, right? Max Crosby against <laughs> Villanueva, he absolutely murdered him. But I mean, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a split, especially now with Le'Veon Bell coming in. You know, that's gonna factor in on how many touches are given out. You know, we could easily see this become a three way split until, you know, Tyson Williams either takes away a little bit from the other, or you know, it could always be like a carousel too. Like somebody comes in when they're doing good, and then, you know, it goes game to game. But um, I think really what was happening is it's kind of set in that the Ravens offense is kind of a little bit much on runners because I mean, obviously you've had three guys go down your three guys that you were going to play this season have already gone down. So maybe they didn't want to like see if they were going to run another person into the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I was going to say it's, I would be more worried about that if it wasn't for the fact that Latavius Murray looked putrid against that same rush defense. He averaged under three yards a carry and did not look like he was in shape. He looked like there was a very good reason that New Orleans cut him, to be honest with you. Uh, on Bell or uh, Devonta Freeman might provide a bigger challenge for Tyson Williams, but I don't think it'll be coming from uh, Latavius Murray, to be honest with you. He did not look good. No, I definitely don't think – uh, and at the end of the day, I think that Williams is the best running back there. I just – my thought process is if I were a GM and my options were Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Tyson Williams for the rest of the year, and I have this offense that is predominantly running, I wouldn't want to run my only good running back into the ground against the back. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I would want to get them rotated in there because even though Latavius Murray – isn't that great of a runner right now? I mean, yeah, right now. But um, I, I wouldn't want – I'd want to kind of mix it all in because Tyson Williams hasn't taken on a full load yet. Yeah, so absolutely. ease him into taking on the load rather than just put him out there. And then, you know, unfortunately that's how injuries happen is when somebody's not ready for that cardiovascularly, that's when injuries do happen. So that's, yeah. that was my only two cents on that, like – Wise. I think he was. I think he did a great job, and I think he's, you know, obviously worthy of a waiver wire if you don't already have him. Cool. I was going to say, Taysom Williams. The thing that really stood out to me is kind of what you're talking about. I, I don't think he's going to ever, like I said, get 20 touches or any of these games really going to be his, his forte. But because of the explosiveness that I saw out there, I have faith in him that with the only 14 to 15 carries, he can still be a highly effective fantasy football player. Yeah, almost like a DeAndre Swift can. He can take limited carries and make something out of it. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So now that we've recapped 
our our week one games. Uh, we're going to get into our belly ups and our belly flops from last week. Our, our guys that we thought either did really well or uh, did really poorly. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to have a reading from our sponsor, my bookie. Um, the NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at my bookie. There were $500,000 in contest prize money. Winning season makes the big game better and the victories even sweeter. Head to mybookie.ag and choose from a variety of boosts, contests, and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. It only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open, and all it takes is one solid week to get you back into the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use your promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to instantly receive double your deposit. Two times your deposit, that's double your money, double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. So again, uh, we're going to move on to our belly ups and belly flops. Um, so I, I say we go around uh, one at a time and we go with uh, belly up ups first. Let's start on the positive note. Um, so the first belly up that I wanted to hit on was someone that uh, I believe Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Who was it that talked about him? I believe it was you, Chris. Sterling Shepard. I think he's going to lead the Giants in targets this year. I, I do. I, I am up on Sterling Shepard. I think the slot is where he's always belonged, and I think he's going to do a really good job there. Uh, and, you know, he may not get the best targets in the world coming from the slot, being that intermediate guy and getting it from a quarterback that I'm still not a particular fan of. However, uh, in PPR leagues, it doesn't really matter. So if you're in a PPR, half-point PPR – Sterling Shepard, I think, is, uh, for the time being at least, I think he's a flex play at worst. Uh, so, Justin? Uh, Rondale Moore, Arizona Cardinals. I think A.J. Green kind of got it spotlighted that last year was not, you know, just some, like, fluke season coming off a year. Like, he's really just kind of washed up and probably over. So that leaves a big void for Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore to kind of slide into that second receiver slot receiver role. And I think Rondale Moore has the explosive uh, explosiveness and the talent 
to make that slot position into a possible double-digit touchdown position for Arizona. I like it. I like it. Chris? I want my belly up is going to be Corey Davis. I think it was clear that he's Zach Wilson's favorite target. I think Corey Davis has kind of had a really rough time trying to, you know, justify his first-round draft pick coming on a four. And he's really, you know, had a decent season yesterday over Tennessee, but a lot of questions whether he could be effective in fantasy football. And he answered his questions week one for a lot of people. And he was definitely clearly the Jets passing game. They all threw the ball at tight ends basically other than him. So I think Corey Davis definitely is my point my belly ups. All right. All right. Um, so then my second belly up is Amari Cooper. He was often drafted as the second Dallas Cowboys uh, wide receiver. Uh, he came out before the game and he said, uh, I believe talent-wise I'm one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, he said he, he just doesn't think he's really proven that on the field, but he wants to do it this season. Then week one, I, I, he went took a step towards doing it. Uh, 13 receptions out of 16 targets did it against, um, granted, Sean Mur- Murphy bunting went out early, um, but did it against a, a defense that was pretty solid against the pass last year. Um yeah, a really good first showing for Amari Cooper in that regard. Uh, yeah, TJ Hawkinson. Um, I thought he did an excellent job executing the game plan, and I think the game plan is going to be centered around him and those running backs this upcoming season. Um, he did a great job against a linebacking core that is very good in coverage, a safety core that's good also. Um, the 49ers were one of the best teams, if not the best team against the tight end last year. And in a game that I thought he was going to flop, he actually looked more George Kittle-ish than George Kittle. So I think he's definitely sky's the limit, especially if Jared Goff continues to kind of do this short intermediate passing game. I think he's definitely got potential to be a guy who gets eight to 10 targets a game. Yeah, I mean, my one of the belly ups is going to be Mike Williams, another guy that's got kind of written off going into this season. Everybody assumes he's contract year. The Chargers looking to move on for him. Will we kind of be in this new offense? And I think he saw a lot of questions about him answered. He was utilized. He wasn't just a deep threat for a change. He was utilized in multiple different ways in the passing game. He's definitely him and Justin Herbert seem to be on the same page. And he's going to take some pressure off Keenan Allen. We thought Keenan Allen basically going to be that you know that target hog. Mike Williams is definitely going to be somebody to reckon with moving forward and had a great start to the season. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then are, are we wanting to do three or two? Um, we do one more. We want to do, we do your voting thing. We need to kind of speed it up. Yeah, okay. Uh, so the last one then uh, would be uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, who, especially in PPR leagues, showed out. Um, and I, I think he's the passing volume there is going to be absolutely insane. Oh, sorry. Um, Kenneth Gainwell. I think Kenneth Gainwell's got the – I think, you know, he's got that potential to kind of move in between being a running back and being a slot receiver. He's got all the talent to do it, and I think he could uh, kind of have a Miles Sanders Jr. type season. So it could be a good flex. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, my other, my other belly up is going to have to be Adam Thielen. Um, we talked about and Justin kind of hit upon it earlier. I didn't feel basically everybody's talking regression, regression, regression. He can't, you know, sustain the touchdown. I think he doesn't need to necessarily sustain the touchdowns, but he's going to be the primary part of his passing game. 
Justin Jefferson is a re- great receiver. Don't forget about Adam Thielen. I think he showed you week one. He's still a record. He's still a, he's one of the better fantasy guys to have out there. Heck yeah, he is. Agreed. Uh, and then before we finish up with our uh, belly ups, of course, um, the belly up fantasy crew as a whole, um, the, the writers came together and voted on a fantasy player of the week. And the winner was Jameis Winston's quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Um, drafted, uh, I think the fantasy pros ADP was 22, so QB 22. Drafted as a low end QB two, um, and then of course comes out week one, uh, finishes QB four uh, overall on the week and player four overall on the week um, with his five touchdown performance. So congratulations to Jameis Winston with that massive day. Uh, second place was Russell Wilson in the voting. Wonder how many people started him. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, so moving on to our belly flops, and I, I, I'm just going to keep this quick. Uh, I have written down both Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, uh, both the Packers guys. That was real tough. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stick with the quarterback, uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, you, if your line can't hold back somebody and you're going to have pressure – you need to be able to be mobile, and he is not. So I think he's going to have enough. Yeah, I'm going to go. I talked about this a little bit earlier in the off, off before the show. Brandon Ayuk was one of mine. Uh, we, we had big expectations coming into the season. I know I was super excited for the trade matchup, and I watched up. I basically put a goose egg and was not involved in the offense at all. I was very disappointed Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Um uh, one more belly flop, and my next one was James Robinson uh, being in a split with Carlos Hyde. is not great. Uh, I thought he looked good. I don't think if any of this is his fault, but the usage is just not looking like uh, promising. Uh, Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson was kind of just – he wasn't number one. I mean, he had all the targets to do it, and he just couldn't make much out of it. He had a last – minute touchdown so kind of alarming for this offense i'm going to stay at the receiver position for my other belly flop and this is somebody i really liked and i don't really like but elijah Moore was terrible um he yeah. got the opportunity to really show out for that game um he only had five targets only had one catch for negative three yards if you had you know crowder was out you had cole out this was a chance to kind of shine he had a 50 yard pass that we could have had a big play on and dropped um, I think overall, Elijah Moore was somebody that definitely my belly flops. Yeah, awful week for him. Uh, super he's excited. Only, he's yeah, only, only go up. Fall back. <laughs> right? Illegal holding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was illegal formation. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nope. nope. Uh, okay. Go up from here for him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we get into uh, get into the next slate of games, which we can run through very, very quickly, Um we want to go over our kind of top takes of the week. Uh, just real quick. Uh, mine was just simply don't overreact. Don't overreact to week one to the guys who did well with the small target share. If someone went off on four out of catching four receptions on four targets and a touchdown for 40 yards, that it, it, that doesn't make them some great fantasy asset. It makes someone who – in a lot of ways, just kind of got lucky. And unless that, uh, you know, happens over the course of most of the season, I'm not too concerned with it, to be honest with you. And then on the flip side, guys who 
perform poorly like Rodgers, Elliott, Aaron Jones, et cetera, they'll bounce back. It's fine. Yeah, uh, I guess my my take would be uh, matchups are key. Um, you know, a lot of people they'll they'll look at automatics and I guess Saquon Barkley is sometimes an automatic, but you know he didn't perform nearly as well as you know a Miles Sanders. But um, yeah, that would be my cues. Just always always look at the matchups because sometimes your studs can be duds too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My top take is Kyle Shanahan hates fantasy football. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan's become our new Bill Belichick. I think that every time you think you figured out who to pick up or who to play, he's going to surprise you and screw you. Um, I think that we nobody was really pretending Debo seemed to be the kind of primary target, and all he was was the passing game. Nobody expected Elijah Mitchell to be the kind of next running back up. He was the next guy who run up. Trey Summer was inactive. So next week, we're going to jump on Mitchell, and Adam kind of hit upon this earlier. That's why I didn't really comment too much because I think – be careful because I wouldn't be surprised if Sermon is the one who gets the majority of the carries this week against the Eagles. Don't think you know what Kyle Shanahan is going to do. Don't guess what he's going to do. Debo Samuel will go out and have two targets this week. I wouldn't be shocked. Kyle Shanahan hates fantasy football. I thought that's my top take for this week. <laughs> like Starfield, 10 targets next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like it. I like it. Now let's go quick through some of the key games um, for next week. Uh, some of the games that will be high-scoring, impactful, a lot of guys in your fantasy lineup. Um, we'll, we'll start with the Thursday night game just because you kind of have to build your lineup around it, right? You have to make this decision early on who's going to be, you know, make sure you're getting your guys in or out of your lineup uh, really like tomorrow or uh, I guess obviously Thursday. Um, and, you, you know, you have to build your week around it. Giants and Washington football team. Um, I, I mean, to me, you're starting the guys that you have to start. So that's uh, Saquon, that's McLaurin, that's Gibson, and you might flex Shep. Uh, Chris, anything or either of you? Yeah, I, I, I definitely tend to agree. I think Gibson's definitely somebody you're a little bit concerned about. Was he banged up towards the end of the game? But he did practice today, so he should need to be in your lineup. You see that kind of the floor with him being involved in the passing game. Um, McLaurin, I think you have to start. Most of these guys, you have to start because you were you drafted, especially like Saquon. But I think Shepard's kind of that guy to kind of keep your eye on. I think Naomi Brown's a guy to kind of keep your eye on for maybe a DFS league just because he has opportunity to have a bigger game this game. Yeah. Maybe Logan Thomas. Um, yeah. I, I think Logan Thomas could have a good game. Now, this linebacking core didn't really look that great outside of Blake Martinez, who's, you know, he's always the tackling machine. But I think it's something they can exploit, especially with a, a young quarterback back there and Taylor Haneke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Martinez, even his strength has not always been coverage. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so on to the next game, Rams at Colts. Uh, I mean, I think you play the Colts running backs and pretty much nobody else, uh, mm-hmm. at least especially if Fisher's not out there. Uh, if Fisher is out there, then if you're desperate, you could maybe try to play uh, a Pascal or a Wentz, but – that seems like more of a desperation play to me than anything else. Uh, Rams, play them. Just, just play the starters. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, I, I feel like you have to, especially Stafford, especially Henderson, especially you know, Higby. Then, the, the, like I said, just play them. <laughs> I feel like Henderson could have a tough day just because of that interior line and that linebacking core. But I agree with you. Otherwise, play everybody else. Play Cup. 
play Van Jefferson on slot or a, a flex, play Robert Woods, play Higby, and most importantly, play Stafford. And then on the other side, you know, you're, if you're really desperate, you know, whoever uh, don't play Pittman because he's probably going to have Ramsey all day long. He's so Ramsey's so good, too good, especially for Pittman. Yeah, I think I kind of echo all those sentiments. Um, Henderson's a guy I kind of struggle with. I'm not sure how great a game he's going to have. I do think he's has kind of a tougher matchup, and I'm really interested to see, like I said, what Colts defense actually shows up. Is it the first half Colts defense or is it the second half Colts defense? Let's not forget this is basically the same system they just faced in Seattle, so it'll be really interesting to see did they kind of adjust to it and find out the kind of what you can take away, what you can do, or is it something they can kind of catch them off guard again? I think on the other side of the ball, to me, the Colts offensively, Paris Campbell is somebody I might keep my eye on. I know he wasn't super productive this week one, but it is a guy who has a better matchup. He's not going to probably see a whole lot of Jalen Ramsey. He's one of the more bigger playmakers for this ta- this team on offense. And I do kind of – I don't think Zach Pascal is going to be the guy necessarily carrying them in red zone again moving forward. So I think Paris Campbell could be a little sneaky pick. I like both the backs like you kind of talked about. I think Taylor and Hill and um, – not Hill. And, yeah, and Hines can be, both can be equally involved in this game. Hines is going to be a sneaky pick. With him getting that extension, I think he's going to get some decent amount of touches moving forward. Don't forget about that. Agreed, agreed. So on to Vikings-Cardinals. On the Cardinals side, I I think you play play Hopkins, you play Kyler, of course. Um, I'm still in wait and seed mode on Christian Kirk. Uh, He's kind of one of those guys who kind of, like I said, on the don't overreact. He had – Five receptions or four or five receptions for two touchdowns, 70 yards. He had five targets. Uh, that's not something you see often. That defense was not playing great. That was going to Cardinals that get way all day long. Uh, I'm not saying fall off of uh, Kirk, but he wasn't in most starting lineups last week anyways, so most people should be able to hold off another week before you really start considering him as that starting guy. Um, if you need to put him in the flex, of course, do it, but – uh, I think most teams that have him aren't in that situation. He was on most people's benches, I would say, uh, regardless. Of course, in the Vikings, you have to play Cook. He didn't have the greatest outing week one. He wasn't awful, but uh, it wasn't anything uh, spectacular. But where have you drafted him? You kind of have to play him. Uh, Kirk's a great QB, too, so when your super flexes, always throw him out there. Um, Thielen, of course. Uh, Jeff- Jefferson, of course. And Osborne, May not be a bad flex option, to be honest with you, although he does play one of the best nickel corners in the league with uh, Kenny Moore. Or, sorry, <laughs> still on the last game. Discount that statement. No, you're not wrong, though, because Byron Murphy plays a slot for the for, for Arizona. He's one of the better, their best pipe corner they have, and Buda Baker kind of takes chance with him. So I think the two of those yes. guys can live, limit Osborne big time, so I wouldn't necessarily yes. rush out to go get him on waivers. Yeah. Um, and I think you made a great point on everybody else. You basically just want to start. You had where you took them. You need to kind of play them. You don't really have any trepidation with the most of the guys. Christian Kirk is a guy that I definitely wait to see. As I, I love Rondo more and I love his talent. And the guy I kind of wait to see where I throw him in my lineup too because I want to see what how's Arizona passing game really unfolds. But I have I, one guy I definitely would have out there over. I have Chase Edmonds. I think he showed you week one. He's going to be kind of featured in his passing game and utilize nothing rushing game. That you're going to have a good floor with him. I like him more than the Connor this week a lot. Yeah. No, I, I echo all those sentiments. I think Chase Edmonds is going to be really key. Um, I think that Kyler is kind of – he's probably going to be running a little bit more today or on uh, Sunday uh, just because that Vikings defense is a little bit better than that Titans defense. 
Um, as far as, you know, you always start DeAndre. And I think I would actually go with Rondale this week. Maybe maybe if you already have Kirk, you know, like you guys are saying, put him on your bench. Um, but, yeah, as far as that, that's my picks. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to Titans Seahawks. Uh, on the Titans side of things, it's looking tough. I think you have to play A.J. Brown. Um, you might have to play Julio Jones. It's going to be a team-dependent thing. I know uh, some people might not need to. Uh, it just kind of depends on league size and what your team structure is and all of that. Um, I think you're probably fine, too. Uh, the Seattle secondary really doesn't scare me too much. Um, their their D-line can be something. Uh, Dunlap played well, but otherwise uh, the secondary is not the most terrifying in the world. It's not bad by any means, just not anything uh, too outlandish. Uh, but I, honestly, I'm in wait-and-see mode with this Titans offense to see if uh, if the new offensive coordinator can really get anything together um, because – of the ugly showing last week uh, on the Seattle side. Of course you play both the out, outside or just both the receivers, the big ones uh, with Lockett and Metcalf. You play Russ and you play Chris Carson, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think a sneaky plan would be ever to throw it out there if you're looking for it. And I do think maybe I, I would take the chance to play Julio this week, just because I do think you have to justify kind of the contract and the trade. I do think he, you talked about the Seattle secondary is definitely questionable. The guy I wouldn't play in that on the Tennessee maybe is, is Ryan Tannehill. I don't want to have wait and see because he hasn't been effective outside of Arthur Smith. We haven't seen that yet. So I would I wouldn't necessarily have team people have him as a number one or number two cop quarterback option. I wouldn't play Tannehill this week. But I wouldn't fade the receivers because I think that you're going to see those guys, even if they get down there and throw the ball. Mm-hmm. No, I got nothing to add to that. You guys yeah. said all the points. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree on the Tannehill point, too. I think outside of Superflex, he's probably not who I would play as a QB1. I know a lot of people drafted him to be that, so it's kind of hard to do. But I, I am very concerned of, about losing Arthur Smith. It definitely showed. Uh, moving on to Chiefs-Ravens, which I, was a game I was super, super excited about, but I'm now incredibly worried about the Ravens. Um of course, you play Lamar. You have to play uh, Mark Andrews in a, a return game. Chiefs defense actually didn't look that great uh, pressure-wise. So maybe someone like um, a Marquise Brown who got used in a new role could uh, be an option as well out there at receiver. Um, uh, Tyson Williams is a sneaky flex option, I think, still. Uh, all, all the negatives we harped on earlier uh, aside, uh, I, I I would probably listen in about what's going on throughout the week, but I think he'll probably probably be fine and lead the way as far as uh, rushing is concerned. Um, on the Chiefs side, you play ob- all the obvious people. I mean, I, I don't think you could really mess that one up. <laughs> Just play everyone. <laughs> yeah. If they're starting, they're probably safe to play outside of, like, the wide receiver three. <laughs> One person I think you don't play is maybe CEH for a second week just because the Rams did hammer Jacobs last night. So, you know, I wonder if, you know, like that front seven is still very good and the interior linemen with Brandon Williams is still very good. But I just wonder if, you know, CEH is going to maybe have like another kind of off week where maybe he doesn't put up double-digit points or – Maybe it's low double-digit points. Nothing to really justify, you know, where you're going to have them in your lineup. 
what I'm saying. But definitely, I think Tyson Williams is a is a buy. Get him, get him that flex. Yeah, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is somebody that you drafted and you probably have to play him because more than likely how you're set up. But I do think that you're not going to look to have expected giant game out of him. You're hoping that maybe he'll be involved in the passing game, all like Kenny Drake was kind of last night. Um, but I think that you're looking for somebody that's going to have probably, you know, maybe doesn't have an awesome game, but you look maybe add somebody else in your lineup that has more upside to kind of make up for that. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, the last game we really wanted to key in on uh, was the Lions-Packers game. Um, I'm looking for a big bounce back week from a lot of these Packers guys, especially uh, Aaron Jones, because uh, they should, in theory, be ahead on the Lions pretty quickly. This should be a pretty you know, quick bounce back um, where they, they should be running it out. Also, uh, with that being said, their backup running back wouldn't be a bad way to go either. Um, obviously, you have to start Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers just based on where you got them more than likely. Uh, and then on the Lions side, starting uh, DeAndre Swift, for sure. Um, you're starting Hawkinson, for sure. And honestly, I, I could see there being enough garbage time here today that I, I at least in a two QB league, I'd feel solid about golf as a super flex option. Uh, I, I think he's going to be captain check down like he was last week, but he could have success doing that because his check down options are DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. I, I would just throw in Jamal Williams and on the Packers side, I think it could be a Robert Tunyon day. Good point. Yeah, I think the Packers bounce back like he kind of talked about. I think Jamal Williams is an option. I'm not big on Jared Croft this week. I think that a lot of his points came in that very last two minutes of that game, so I'm kind of curious to see can he do that again. Uh, Green Bay didn't play well, but they didn't play well at all, both sides of the field, so I think it's going to be a little bit different Green Bay we see on Monday night. Very, very true. All right, so that's what we wanted to get done uh, projecting towards next week. We'll, of course, uh, you know, come back and recap uh, on our show next week uh, what, you know, how, how that went. Um, but before we get out of here, we want to get a waiver pickup suggestion and one drop or watch lister uh, per person. So, uh, Chris, you can go ahead and start this one. So I'm going to go off because I know there's the obvious ones. So I'm going to go a little bit less obvious, and I would say that a good player to add this week is going to be Jones, Tony Jones for the New Orleans Saints. I think they have a good matchup with Carolina. You see their schedule kind of upcoming. They have a softer schedule. And this guy, I think, is going to have a chance to play the Latavius Murray role. I think he's going to be enough games where they're able to kind of utilize both him and Kamara. I expect Kamara to be kind of stop getting so many carries. I think he's going to throw the ball a little bit more moving forward, utilize a bit more in a passing game. So some, he's to me is the guy that you want to add to your team, especially if you're one of those RB0 people. I think Tony Jones is somebody that you kind of target this week. It's not so obvious. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. Um, I guess I guess the most obvious one would be, you know, Elijah Mitchell. But I think um, one guy that you could possibly roster right now is, um, you know, I hate this because I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but I'm all about the touchdowns, so I would say, you know, Mark Ingram doesn't look bad as far as getting touchdowns. Um, I don't like the picket very much, but, you know, we all know he's going to get his runs in there. It's kind of been 
shown that it's going to be a three-headed monster. They're going to make their way downfield, even if it's only one time out of the, the entire game. But that one time, he'll have a chance to push it in. And, you know, 10 points is 10 points. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, like I, he was the one guy where I, I was like, yeah, you probably do – he does warrant the roster spot. I'm just not uh, – I wouldn't overreact to his 26 carries and act as if that's the norm. But uh, he is someone who could end up being a flex option because of his touchdown potential, especially against other teams that are in the lower half of the league. <laughs> Definitely. Um, my pickup – Waiver wire wise, would it be Rob Gronkowski, uh, especially in uh, like re- redraft leagues or uh, shallower dynasties? Uh, he's on a lot of waiver wires, and uh, I don't think he should be anymore. He was over eighty percent of the snaps, uh, eight targets. Um, you, you can get tight end one production out of him, I think, moving forward, uh, especially if, if that trend continues. And I think you want to get in front of it. Um. Uh-huh. So, Chris, do you have a a drop or watch list person? Uh, the watch lister, uh, Justin kind of talked about him on the Eagles and gave him one of his belly ups. Um, Kenneth Gainwell is to me a guy that you, you definitely want to have on your watch list right now. There's a lot of talk about Boston Scott being the guy who kind of shares the t- touches with Miles Sanders in the backfield, and that seemed not to be the case. Kenneth Gainwell wasn't just going to utilize in the passing game, he utilized in the rushing game, which made me kind of more excited about him. So I think Kenneth Gain was a guy definitely on my watch list, and I'm kind of looking to maybe add sooner than later. Justin? Um, so he had a fumble, but, you know, we were talking about it earlier with the New England game. Uh, my guy would be uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, if, indeed, you know, the news coming out is that uh, Damian Harris kind of broke, kind of hurt uh, Bill Belichick's feelings, it could start to lead to some of his touches going somewhere else. And the best person to fit his role is Ramondre Stevenson on that team. I like it. I like it. And then finally, my watch list guy uh, was David Johnson. Kind of what I said with the, um, when I let off with that, that Texans game, uh, I think he'll be uh, the primary receiving back uh, in a game that they were up. He had four or five targets. Uh, I think that'll only go, go further when they're down all game, which I suspect them to be a lot. Uh, so if you're in a PPR league, and this is exclusive to PPR leagues more or less, uh, I, I think he's a back to, to at least watch list, if not roster, depending on the uh, depth. All right, guys. Um, that's our, our week one recap, uh, week two uh, kind of spotlight show. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh Chris, what are you guys doing on the Belly Up MDFF show this week? We'll be actually doing the previews of our games, the early games we're going to be doing on Thursday. And on Friday, Dan will be kind of tackling the second half of the Sunday games, breaking down them basically the 4 o'clock games and then the evening game. And then, of course, following up, he'll be doing his Sunday night, Monday night show where he kind of recaps the whole weekend and kind of catches you up like we kind of did tonight. Awesome, awesome. And Justin, what are you working on this week, and where can the fans find you at? Um, so you can find me, you can see on the tag there, Semtech Max 93 on Twitter, follow me. Um, but yeah, I'm working on uh week two start sits. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. Getting ready for Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 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 Well, uh, and I, of course, am Adam, Adam LaRue, find me at, at LaRue Adam on Twitter. 
I will be doing uh, an article series weekly uh, similar to uh, the belly ups and belly flops. Uh, it, it'll kind of combine the premise of that and uh, almost like a power ranking thing. So I'll list three guys that I think are going up in value and three guys going down uh, with the uh, caveat of do I think said guy is a buy or sell. Uh, for instance, I have Ezekiel Elias going down, but I have him as a buy. Um, uh, so there, there's a little preview of that. Um, all right. Uh, that's the show on this Tuesday evening. I hope you all enjoyed, and we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Catch you later. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.